You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Hello and happy Tuesday to everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, we've had Matt Modica on the show plenty of times before, but we've never had a dedicated Modica Tuesday before. Uh, So for the full hour, we get the analytical uh, soothsayings of Matt Modica. Matt, welcome to the show. All right. Well, I think uh, Matt's uh, supposed to be on the show here. Uh, find out what happened to Matt. Um, in any event, uh, we are supposed to be uh, having uh, Matt Modica on the show for the whole day, uh, for the whole hour, I should say. Be great to have him on for the whole day. Of course, you know him from here at uh, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You should also know him from ZTM Baseball. Uh, and uh, hey, I'm like, here, yeah, uh, on. Well, gosh, give me a heart attack. <laughs> man, oh, man. No well, welcome problem. To the Sorry show, about that, Al, but I am very excited to be here. It's been a real interesting five days of baseball so far. <laughs> it really has. It really has. So uh, we're going to uh, not you know, review all five days of them, but you know, we'll focus on yesterday and, and some of the early trends. Uh, we certainly are going to talk about Kenley Jansen, who's been one of the big stories of these first five days. Uh, we've got uh, Nelson Cruz news, uh, which if you don't know yet, he's uh, gone on the DL. Uh, and of course, uh, as I was saying, uh, starting to say, Matt, uh, right when you, you uh, came on here, uh, folks should go check out your site, CTM Baseball. But, uh, you know, I always like having you on the show to dig a little deeper into starting pitching. So we're actually going to do a whole segment today that's going to partly focus on the top 60 starters that you have ranked on your site. But, yeah, I think that sort of dovetails nicely in a way with a piece that I just wrote for Fantrax Mm -hmm. on my strategy for streaming starting pitchers in weekly leagues. Uh, because I don't really trust my whole top 60 (laughs) to go week in and week out. And with each year, it seems like I've become more and more reliant on streaming. So really glad that this discussion is falling on a Modica Tuesday where uh, you can provide your insight on on your strategy for how you blend in your stud starters with your weekly streamers. So we'll, we'll get to that, but let's go right to the news, Matt. The big story is uh, Nelson Cruz earlier today, Tuesday, because it is Modica Tuesday, uh, being placed on the 10-day disabled list with a sprained right ankle. That's uh, the injury he sustained uh, slipping on the steps to the clubhouse uh, a day or two ago. I can't remember now. I think it was two days ago. That uh, DL stint is retroactive to April 1st, and the Mariners have recalled Taylor Motter, but I think the the big impact here, aside from having to find a Cruz replacement, is uh, you think Daniel Vogelbach will see some DH time now? Uh, I'm kind of hoping so. I tweeted out earlier today there's no excuse for Vogelbach not to get the at-bats, and then I was quickly corrected by the uh, by the scenes <laughs> on Twitter that they are in the National the, League Park. Yes. And so hopefully Thursday <laughs> we get to see Mr. Vogelbach. Look, the guy's always been known for his bat. He hit seven home runs, I think it was, in spring training. 
at least to give this kid a, a chance, get him a few games in, see what he can do. Uh, he seems to finally have some confidence. Uh, I saw an interview with him on one of the spring training games where he, you know, he's got the confidence now. You know, I, I, I could see that where you know you 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 lose confidence after a while in yourself. No matter how good you've been at previous levels and stuff, and you know, it, it would be nice to see they could use another bat this lineup. No, they absolutely could. And I mean, and, and the frustrating thing is they've had the shortage of outfielders, and Vogelbach just doesn't play there. Ryan mm-hmm. Healy doesn't play there, so it, it just felt like a waste. You know, uh, Vogelbach was not really getting the playing time, but. Now it would appear you're right. Once they get back to Adele Park, uh, the, the Mariners will have that opportunity. And I've not seen anything in regards to a timetable for Cruz. So if this were a minimum stay thing, it almost might not be worth the trouble to pick up Vogelbach. But if it's, you know, if you could use them next week or if you're talking, you know, daily lineups, uh, I think there's there's definite appeal there. Yeah, it'd have to be like daily lineups or like AL only. I have him on I have him on the team hoping to see that he would maybe fall into bats at bats somehow, some way. But like you said, if they it's uh, retroactive to the first and I think it's the right move to put him on the DL, especially you have the National League Park this week. And at 38, you need him to just be healthy. You, you can't be fooling around. I was nervous towards the end with the hamstring issue he had in spring training. And now this, hopefully, we saw opening day, he took uh, Corey Kluber deep. He, he is the boomstick, so hopefully speedy recovery. <laughs> uh, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Definitely hope so. Uh, well, in other uh, injury news, Will Myers, he had the back problem a couple of days ago. I actually benched him this week for that. Then he came back. He started, hit a home run, uh, but that in the same game on Monday, he uh, had to leave early. This is against the Rockies with a sore triceps. And uh, he's already had an, X, an X-ray, ultrasound. Both came back negative, uh, according to MLB.com. But... Uh, I don't haven't seen anything about a DL stint, but I also haven't seen anything about a DL stint being out of the question either for for Will Myers. No, I think there's got to be some concern here. Uh, he had the back issue, now the tricep issue. Uh, we spoke a little earlier. I know Sussman said maybe it's kind of related. Maybe he's overcompensating for something. I don't know. He hit the home run last night. Just missed a grand slam. Really good defensive play by. Uh, uh, Charlie Blackman, and you know he's a guy that even though the batting average is below 250, you know he, him and Trout are the only two guys to go 25 20 the last two years. So amazing, yeah. Uh, can't, that really can't be underrated. Uh, so hopefully Will Myers is back soon, but we will definitely be keeping tabs on that one. Also in some Padres uh, Padres related injury news, Austin Hedges was scratched on Monday with upper back tightness. Uh, I have seen a bunch of lineups coming in, but the Padres, I think, have the last, yeah, the very last uh, first pitch tonight. <laughs> so I doubt we'll have any update there uh, by the end of the show. Uh, but Austin Hedges dealing with uh, an upper back issue. Yuli Gurriel, uh, as expected, was moved straight from the restricted list to the 10-day DL. He's uh, uh, still recovering from hand surgery, but uh, could be back possibly in the minimum time. Uh, also, A.J. Hinch has said that Carlos Correa is day-to-day. He sustained a toe injury on Monday. Uh, and according to The Athletic Houston, uh, the toe is the same one that he injured, uh, that, uh, that uh, he fouled the ball off of. So it uh, doesn't sound too serious with Carlos Correa, but that obviously just because of the 
the status of the player. Uh, we have to keep tabs on that as well. And former Astro Joe Musgrove, of course, he's already on the DL uh, now with the Pirates. And according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, he is going to be shut down between five and seven days. It is definitely going to need more than the minimum stay on the DL. So that's a bummer, uh, especially for me. I got got Musgrove in a bunch of leagues this year. So. Yeah, I'm with you with the Joe Musgrove news. I mean, look, if you have a DL, you can slide him in there. But if you have, like, Cruz on the DL and you only have one DL spot, I, I think it's safe to say, you know, you can cut Joe Musgrove. Uh, it sounds uh, more serious than originally let on to. It was never yep. good when we heard about the shoulder in spring training. But then there was some optimism that he started Thursday, then it was pushed to Sunday, and, you know, now he's on the DL and now he's not going to throw a ball for a while. So uh, I think for now you can move on. Yeah, well, and I, I'm going to just uh, place a little caveat on that because I agree with that generally. Uh, but the context in which I've discussed Joe Musgrove a lot <laughs> over the last few months is that he's got SPARP status going into this year. And when healthy, I do expect him to be probably by a lot. Maybe Mike Miner will challenge him. Uh, I had a bold prediction about uh, uh, Miguel Castro maybe uh, be, being in the rotation and having spark status of being uh, effective and, and valuable. But the, the point being that I think if you're in a head-to-head league where you're planning on using Musgrove as a reliever, uh, I would wait this out. Uh, so, I usually agree. Like I said, if you have the DL room, my only thing is if there's another setback or something and then you and you have to, you don't have a DL and you got to hold them, it's just gonna, you're going to miss out on guys. All right. Well, I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, you're I like you're the all... upside. I really like the upside. I did too, yeah. But... So, well, yeah, if you're if you're in a head-to-head league out there, you're you're on your own on this one. <laughs> uh, Greg Holland, we've got some uh, developments here. He threw to hitters on Monday, and he's going to uh, pitch for Class A Palm Beach. Uh, that's Florida State League, of course, on Thursday. And then if all goes well there, he'll pitch again for them on Saturday. And the best-case scenario is he'll be back with the Cardinals on Monday next week, and you can use them in week three. Uh, so that update coming to us from WGNU. Uh, so uh, you think uh, Greg Holland can uh, keep that job wire to wire when, once he comes up for the Cardinals? I mean, I'm not the biggest Greg Holland guy, but I do believe they gave him $14 million. He's going to have a long leash. Matheny has been pretty uh, – Pretty reliable with his closes as far as, you know, going the distance with them. I mean, until, like, all else fails, he's pretty much tried to go with the guys that he's uh, chosen. And by giving him the $14 million, he's obviously the guy. Cardinals have a good team here. So uh, I just don't know why this, this deal could have been worked out maybe a couple weeks earlier in spring training. And I'm glad when I heard last Wednesday that Jordan Hicks was uh, coming to the roster before the Holland news, I was going to tweet out my bold prediction is Hicks is closing by Memorial Day. But, you know, then the next day they signed Greg Holland. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, you know, a lot of us didn't see that coming. I mean, that that's a bullpen that's just loaded with good relievers who, have some closer potential. I mean, John Brebbia uh, didn't didn't crack that bullpen, and I, yeah, I think he'd actually be an okay closer. Uh, so yeah, I did, didn't see it coming. Uh, I got Tyler Lyons in a few leagues. Was disappointed. I think I thought uh, Dominic Leone mm-hmm. would have been worth rostering, but uh, but yeah, I do that's, uh, I do think it, it sets everybody else everybody else up for success. I think they're all better like 
uh, Luke Gregerson has always had the skills and always been good in that seventh, eighth inning role, but never really successful as a closer in the small samples that he's had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, in terms of, you know, everybody having a role and, and being poised for success, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, this does that. I mean, the, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the job there in St. Louis <laughs> is to put together a winning bullpen and, and you know, to tack with us, us fancy owners. Indeed. <laughs> well, uh, you know, the Nelson Cruz news, uh, of course, we don't like to see anybody hurt on the DL, but, uh, you know, it, it does change things for, for perhaps for Daniel Vogelbach. We have a similar situation in St. Louis. Uh, Jed Jerko left Monday's game against the Brewers with the right hamstring strain. Haven't seen anything further yet on that one, although uh, we are supposed to get more information today in terms of severity uh, and, and maybe a timetable. But uh, for uh, those of us who have been looking for a way to be reassured that Jose Martinez is going to stay in the lineup, this, this would seem to be it, at least in the short run. Yeah, I mean, Jose Martinez, the only risk of Jose Martinez is he's not that good. He's kind of terrible as a defensive player. But uh, that hit tool is, I think, could be special given, you know, 500, you know, plus at-bats in in a season. And it was nice after opening day, they said he was going to be the first baseman for the most part. Uh, This kind of helps out him. It gives Matt Carpenter the move to third if this is an extended injury for Jed Jerko. And if you're a Colton Wong owner, still a believer that one day he's going to steal 20 bases, hit you know double-digit homers, this kind of solidifies him too because he was maybe possibly the odd man out as well or in this rotation with Jericho. So it's kind of solidifying this infield if it's a, a, a long-term injury. Yeah, yeah. So it does clear clear up a number of things. Uh, so real quick here, because uh, I want to uh, try to get to some uh, lineups and weather uh, before we head to break. Uh, some catching news: Matt Weeters is on the ten day DL with a mild left oblique strain. Uh, the Nats have called up Pedro Severino, so he'll uh, tandem tandem it up with uh, Miguel Montero, according to uh, Masson. Uh, JT Romuto has started doing catching drills, so that's good news. But he's still. Uh, a few weeks away from returning, according to MLB.com. The Rangers picked up Cameron Rupp. This has been rumored for at least a couple of weeks. They even thought about trading for him. Uh, they were just able to sign him as a free agent to a minor league deal. He's going to start at AAA Round Rock. Robin Chirinas is off to a brutal start. He's 0 for 15 with nine strikeouts and a sack fly. So I don't know if uh, uh, that has anything to do with this. But again, this, this has been in the works for at least a couple of weeks. Uh, and also minor league deal, Daniel Hudson signing with the Dodgers, and Anthony Swarzak has been placed on the DL with that uh, sore left oblique uh, that uh, came up for a couple of days ago. So as far as uh, lineups and weather go, uh, well, how's the weather there in New York? Because it looks like that's the one situation that might mess people up today uh, for uh, daily lineups and DFS. Uh, so let, let, let me get the, the firsthand report there. It's been raining pretty uh, consistently consistently from like uh, 11 a.m. on. It's not like pouring out, but a consistent like drizzle. It's a shame because they could have played the games yesterday. I know it snowed in the morning here, but it was fine by like noontime on. Jeez. Well, uh, <laughs> 32% chance of rain uh, at uh, for first pitch for Rays Yankees, which is supposed to happen in about 45 minutes. And then uh, Mets hosting the Phillies. That's a night game, 7-10 Eastern, started City Field, 58% chance. 
uh, precipitation. And then the one other situation to look at uh, for your daily lineups, the Reds hosting the Cubs. That looks really bad. 84% chance uh, of precipitation without it really going down for several hours <laughs> after that. So keep an eye on, on those ball games. And then as far as lineups go, don't know if I'm going to be able to get this all in before break, Matt. Uh, so may just have to carry this over. But um, mm-hmm. uh, Buster Posey shifting over to first base to uh, face a lefty today. So no Brandon Belt. Uh, they're, they're facing the Mariners and Marco Gonzalez in that one. No Mookie Betts kind of buried the lead there. So Red Sox are having to rotate their outfield DH situation playing in Miami uh, early this week. So yesterday it was J.D. Martinez out. Martinez batting cleanup and playing right field uh, for the Red Sox today. No Mookie Betts. I'm sure he'll be back. Yeah, uh, I don't like that, next, though. Next I don't like around. how they, they have to, like, after four days, oh, we're going to give the guy a break. I know you're trying to get everybody in. Your best player you should play every day. Yeah, I know. It's, that's a puzzling one to me, too. Uh, and that's a tough one because, you know, from a hitting perspective, you think Jackie Bradley might be the one to sit, but mm-hmm. you know I know that they like to have him in there for the defense, and he's there today again, batting eighth in center field. But yeah, I agree that there has to be some other <laughs> some other way to deal with that than sitting JD Martinez one game and Mookie Betts the next. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Head scratcher. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's uh, keep going here uh, as long as we uh, can before we go to break. Albert Almora is facing a lefty today. We like that. Uh, is it worth worth my while trying to pick him up? Uh, there's one league I've got where I could squeeze him in. Daily lineups: uh, Cubs are facing Cody Reed and the and the Matt and the Reds. Excuse me. Uh, I don't know. I, I love watching him play defense. Uh, I know it's a lefty. I think it's just a matter of time before Amir Garrett takes Cody Reed's uh, rotation spot. Yeah, yeah. No, well, that's you know, for sure. I like uh, Garrett's uh, you know long term outlook a lot. But man, I like this matchup for uh, for tonight with uh, Almora. Really good against lefties. And the only other one, Tyler Saladino, uh, starting in the White Sox lineup against Jay Happ. So we've got another lefty thing. Uh, Almer Sanchez sitting. Uh, Tyler Saladino, uh, but I don't really see making a a move there except maybe in a very very deep uh, uh, league with where you can make some daily changes. So. Uh, as far as uh, lineups go, I'm just take one more quick look here. Yeah, that's about it. So the only lineups we have for the evening games, well, we got a couple in the 6 o'clock Eastern hour. Uh, Red Sox, Marlins, Cubs, Reds. We already handled those. And then after that's just the, the White Sox lineup. So check back later on and see if any of those lineups come in. But don't count on the Padres. Anyway, <laughs> stick around. We got to head to break. We'll be right back with a rundown of yesterday's standout performances. I can try off a no. while Let me explain to you what while and out is. Yeah. It's going to be quick, except radius, fast thought, and rhyme stuff. You don't know how to rhyme. I, I just brought together Michelle Serpico, telephone, yes. junk shots, over there, sure enjoy. That was hot. Send my audition tape to while and out. Do you know people over at MTV, Craig? I, I want to be on while and out. You can't be on while and out. Why not? You have no rhythm. <laughs> Weekdays, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. 
Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. The victories begin in January. The Fantasy Sports Writers Association named real experts winners of two prime fantasy baseball awards. Tim McCullough and Scott Angle, Joe Champion Fantasy Ranker, Jake Seeley on the mountaintop, and now their triumphs are yours with the RotoExperts.com 2018 Exclusive Edge Fantasy Baseball Package. A full squad of high-profile winners such as Michael Florio and Joe Galena, they're here to help you take it all. Enter code FNTSY at checkout and join the Exclusive Edge Winners Club at RotoExperts. Hey, I'm Jeff. Look, I'm just skeleton. I don't have an ACL anymore, but I still like to know what it means when one of my fantasy players sprains his. That's why I use the Inside Injuries app. It was created by real doctors. So you're getting information directly from people who have seen, touched, and operated on actual ACLs. Take it from me, a skeleton. If you aren't using it, you might as well just be guessing. Download the free app today unlock the secrets of injury analysis. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and joining me for the show, the entire show, because it is Modica Tuesday, is Matt Modica. Uh, And Matt uh, got uh, one update from since before the break. Uh, looks like Jed Jerko is going to go on the DL. Just looking at a report here. Derek, or I'm sorry, not Derek Gold. Uh, Rick Hummel of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I uh, don't want to read while I'm on the air, but the, the gist of it seems to be that Jerko is going to go on the DL and uh, Harrison Bader is going to be called up, but this has not oh, actually Harrison happened yet. Harrison yep. Bader is an interesting, uh, interesting call up. It's a crowded outfield. It's a crowded team right now, but he's someone with potential. The thing I did though with Jerko, I was drafting him, you know, like in the mid twenties, like late as a you know power guy. You get for nothing. But this past week in Fab, I was going for Brian Anderson over him because I knew Anderson would play every day and be in the heart mm-hmm. of that lineup. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea when. Um... Martin Prado might come back, and I, I mean, I've, I've said this before on the show, but I mean, I would think that Prado might go to the outfield just to make mm-hmm. room for Anderson. So, yeah, I think that that's a, I, I like the logic there. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff from Monday's games to to get to. Uh, before we do, though, uh, just a quick word here about DailyRoto.com. Dominate your DraftKings and FanDuel Major Baseball contest this summer with Daily Roto's MLB Projections and Optimizer. Go to dailyroto.com slash premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY to use all the same tools and projections that millionaire maker winner Drew Dinkmeyer uses. And the tools don't just work for football. It's the very same site that Drew used for last year's top five $150,000 DraftKings live final finish. So head on over to dailyroto.com slash premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY and see the results for yourself. So uh, this is going to be very pitching-heavy, Matt. Um, Mm -hmm. It seems like pitching sort of dominated the season so far. (laughs) No, it has. It it actually really has, and it's it's been fun to watch. 
Yeah, no, very fun to watch. You know, now we, we've got the the task, which I think is a fun task, not easy, of kind of sorting out all these early performances and, and figuring out, you know, what's worth doing something about and, you know, what you can just sort of ignore. But uh, one thing that we're all paying attention to is Kenley Jansen, uh, who uh, got blown up again on Monday, this time at the Diamondbacks. Uh, Humidor didn't help him out here, gave up a three-run homer to Chris Owings. And the, the real notable thing, uh, in his ending of work is that he walked two batters, didn't strike anybody out, and threw only half of his 24 pitches for strikes. That's very un-Kenley Jansen-like. Yeah, I mean, I know he's saying it's mechanical and stuff, but it's, with the velocity down, and it's, look, he's walked two guys, like you said last night. He walked seven all of last year in 68 innings. I think he allowed like 11 runs, 10 earned all of last year, already four and two innings. I'm, as somebody that owns him in like three leagues, and they're all overall leases. Otherwise, in a standalone or a satellite, a redraft, I'll usually wait on closers. Mm-hmm. But he's been so uh, incredibly awesome. He's been like an uber talent the last couple of seasons. The whip has been like 075 or, or lower, uh, minuscule ERA, over like 110 strikeouts and 60-something innings. So I'm really – I think you have to be concerned uh, – if I could get him, like Greg asked me the question earlier today, would you trade him for a role as Chapman right now? I said absolutely. Because if Jansen goes out again in the next outing and fails, you're not getting in a role as Chapman or anybody like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am encouraged that the, the velocity rebounded quite a bit uh, on Monday. Not you know to where it was a year ago, but up from uh, is it between 88 and 89 uh, from the, the first appearance against the Giants to 91.4 miles an hour on the cutter uh, in yesterday. So that's that's a big improvement. That, I find that encouraging. But, I, you know, you have your exchange with a Greg. I assume you're talking Greg Sussman. Yes, Mr. Sussman. I had, I had an exchange with Greg Jewett, who's also been on the show a lot, uh, writes for uh, Rotographs and Fantasy Alarm. And he made the point that it's not necessarily that reassuring even if we, uh, you know, rule out any velocity concerns, because if there is a mechanical issue, that could still be a sign of something physically not right. Yeah, no, I actually did see that tweet. It was an excellent tweet by Greg. And look, it, I, I like starting pitchers. I, there was a lot of good pitchers that had bad opening starts, and I really don't get too crazy with moving guys down after one start or not like that. But with Jansen, it, you know, this is this is beyond concerning for me, and you know you. You hope, because if he's right and it's saying it's mechanical and he's compensating for something, you know, well, I'm hoping it's not a precursor for injury. This is not a good sign. I want to, I'm very anxious to watch Kershaw tonight because his velocity was down a bit in, in that opener. And I only gave up the home run to Joe Panic, but uh, it wasn't, you know, I, I don't want to see Kershaw pitching between 90 and 91. No, <laughs> no, we don't want that. So, yeah, that's good. Uh, uh, what to watch for tonight, to be sure. Absolutely. Uh, in that same game, I uh, mentioned the home run uh, by Owings. Nick Ahmed is continuing to uh, be hot at the plate, went three for six, hit his third double of the year, also walked. Uh, I put in a bid for him in the weekly fab in, uh, I believe it was the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. When you have 10 leagues, it's kind of hard to <laughs> keep it all straight sometimes, but uh, I, you know, I don't like to make moves based on you know like three or four games. But Ahmed had a little bit of a a, a power breakout last year that I think went largely unnoticed. So I'm I'm viewing this as I don't know maybe it's confirmation bias, but <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm tacking this on to what I, I liked uh, last season from him. Uh, the thing for me, look, he's he's got the glove, and that's why he's in there first and foremost. 
For me, what's upsetting is I love Chris Owens. I think this kid was going to be this year's, uh, for the Diamondbacks, this year's Chris Taylor and all that. And I just hope he gets, however, they got to move him around. I know they just signed Kettle Marte uh, for a few more years. They gave him an extension. So where Owings uh, ends up, I don't know. But I think it's a shame if he doesn't get there. I mean, Ahmed... He did it a couple of years ago. He started out hitting the ball pretty well. I don't know if I'm buying the bat, but his glove will keep in the lineup. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't really worry about the playing time for for Ahmed. Um, and this is this may be at the uh, 31 minute mark, Matt. The last time we mentioned a hitter on the show, because <laughs> we got a lot, we got a lot of pitchers to talk about. But I wanted to just make know the fact that Charlie Blackman is just off to an absolutely scorching start. He went uh, three for five on Monday. Uh, at the Padres, hit his fourth home run, hit a pair of doubles, uh, his first two doubles of the year. And again, you know, I, I never want to make too much of, of a, a small sample. I'm talking about still less than a week here. But this is the second year in a row where I've basically called Blackman a bust um, because I didn't completely buy into what he did the year before. And I mean, when I say a bust, I mean, I just meant that, you know, out of the cluster of fielders that you could take when um, uh, Trout's off the board, he was the one I was least interested in. Uh, you know uh, what, Al? I felt the same way. And this is a guy coming off of four stud seasons. I just thought last year it could not get any better. It, it just, yep. the season, he, it was like Joe DiMaggio-esque in what this guy did. It was phenomenal. Another year older, I thought maybe they, they were talking about moving him down in the batting order and stuff. Thought maybe he steals less bases. Uh, his, his stolen base percentage last year was not good. So I was look. I was just thinking. Look, he was still going to be a very good player, but I thought he would be the one of those guys that could take that step back. I was in line with your thinking, but uh, I know it's early. We said you said small sample size, but I would both of them. <laughs> I'm not ready to give up yet. <laughs> so uh, all right, well I will continue to to, <laughs> to fly that flag uh, at least for maybe another week or so. Uh, all right, well, let's get to the pitchers. Like I said, uh, a, a ton to get to. We had the dueling Tylers. Uh, apparently the first time that Tylers have ever faced each other as starting pitchers. And I, I apologize because I don't remember who the tweeter was who uh, who tweeted that out yesterday. But uh, they apparently did, did the research. Uh, and it's it's tough to know who was uh, better. I guess maybe a, a little bit of a, a tip of the hat to Tyler Maley, who went six innings, did not give up a run, held uh, the uh, Cubs to just one hit. Seven strikeouts and two walks, but Tyler Chatwood, aside from the six walks, uh, held his own six innings, four hits, one run, four Ks. So what do you take away from from that pitcher's duel? Uh, I mean, Tyler Maley, I put in, I was very nervous about it, though. Uh, it was a two-start week, so I was rolling the dice, hoping to get at least one good one if one of them was going to be bad. Uh, I didn't expect the strikeouts. I'll tell you that straight out. He pitched really well in spring training. He, he showed last year, you know, when he came up in September, he uh, he did an a, uh, admirable job for the Reds. So, look, I don't know if he's going to be a strikeout guy. He's going to get seven strikeouts every time. But a hell of a performance. Uh, I'm very happy about that. He still has another one later this week. Uh, with regards to Chatwood, I think Chatwood's going to be a good pitcher this year. I don't think he'll ever be great. But the Cubs saw something in this guy. You're taking him out of course field. I know his road ERAs have been pretty good the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. But my one 
bugaboo with him is, you know, his walks per nine on the road has been terrible. The last two years, that first strike is horrendous. But he's a guy that somehow consistently escapes damage. He'll walk six guys. I mean, if you look at what he's done on the road sometimes, he has, you know, four, five, six walks, and he somehow only gives up a run. So he was very fortunate uh, yesterday in the fact that Billy Hamilton was up, a little dribbler, and then they pinch hit. And in, like, the most crucial part of the game, I thought they would go with their best hitter. It was Phil Goslin that came up. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I, I hear you uh, in terms of the concerns with the walks for Chatwood. Uh, you know, I mean, if you go back to last year, that's the one thing, you know, you could kind of look at and, you know, maybe question uh, the, the Cubs going out and signing him. But, you know, like you said, <laughs> the overall results were there anyway. Mm-hmm. As far as uh, Tyler Maley goes, uh, occasionally, uh, you know, I like to play, play this little game on the show. Uh, is it the player or the matchup? And I'm with you. Like, I like Maley, but I think of him as more of like a con- control guy. You know, sort of a uh, I, I think that's type. the correct one. And uh, the Cubs are striking out more than 25% of the time so far. So you think that uh, those 7Ks might be a little matchup driven? Yeah, I, I think it was a little bit matchup driven. Uh, like, like I said, I was nervous. I rolled him out there. A lot of people didn't. And if it would have went the other way, they would have looked smarter than me. But it's, it's one start. If you took him in the mid-20s, one of those reserve rounds, you're feeling pretty good today, but uh, I'm not declaring any kind of a victory yet. It's a long season for Tyler Maley. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I, I hear that again. We have to take all these uh, you know, unexpected performances uh, with a, a little bit of a grain of salt. And maybe the same should be said about Ronaldo Lopez. Um, you know, pretty disappointing late last season up with the White Sox, but a great start against the Blue Jays. Six innings, one run on two hits and two walks. Six Ks, made greater use of the slider, so maybe that's why why we're seeing strikeouts in the start. Yeah, no, uh, I believe in spring training he had one of the biggest uh, upticks in velocity from last yep. season. So right there put him on for me. Uh, I was interested in last year as well. And you said it was disappointing. But once you hear that, like velocity for pitches, just so key. So that, you know, sparked the thing. So a guy like Ronaldo Lopez and the guys like Maley, those were the perfect kind of reserve round pitchers that, you know, I would try and get. Uh, Lopez pitched a hell of a game last night. Uh, it's just this new f- slider that he's got going that's also when pairing it with the increased velocity, you know, making him this better pitcher because, you know, you, you, I don't care how good of a fastball you have, the fastball is used to work work your other pitches off of. They make your other pitches better. So this is still a young kid. He's got some potential. So I think if White Sox fans and uh, White Sox in general have to be happy. And look, if you're a fantasy owner and you took a shot at him late, he's a guy that, you know, you're, you're feeling pretty good today. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he does have that upside and you know, uh, some, some good numbers in the minors that you can uh, that you can dream on. So uh, hopefully that this is a story you can build on. And we got a whole bunch to get to. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left in, in this segment, so this is probably going to carry over to the next segment. But I do want to pair up uh, another uh, uh, matchup here, another uh, pitcher mm-hmm. duel. Uh, Bartolo Colon and Andrew Triggs both pitched really well. Might be one and done still for Colon because they're they're going to have a roster problem, the Rangers. But he went six innings, uh, one run on seven hits and a walk with four Ks. That's kind of the quintessential Colon uh, line. And then Andrew Triggs, five innings, one run on four hits, two walks at seven Ks. And uh, looking at the profile of these two, um, 
they're they're very different in a way because Cologne really pitches in the zone a lot and gets hit, you know, allows a lot of contact. And Triggs really doesn't pitch in the zone very much and doesn't, you know, doesn't get very many swings. So, it, you know, aside from the fact that neither guy has really been a strikeout pitcher, they, they kind of, when they get it done, they get it done in very different ways. Um, but like I said, Cologne possibly won and done with the Rangers, but maybe this is a good tryout for another team. But uh, how about Triggs? Uh, how are you liking him going forward? Uh, I mean, Triggs is the intriguing one of the two. Uh, I'm sure Cologne, whether he's gone or not, will get tryouts with other teams. But with Triggs, last season I was on him early, and it didn't kind of go well. He got injured and all that stuff. But look, Oakland's going to give him this uh, chance. He's in the rotation. He pitched very well uh, last night. So he's, a, he's another one of these late guys. I'm going to roll him out again. All right. Well, uh, sounds sounds good to me. We got to fly away just for a few minutes. <laughs> got to head to break. We come back. We'll uh, run down some more of these pitching performances and talk pitching strategy on the other side. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-3793 immediately. That's 800-955-3793. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-3793 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-3793. That's 800-955-3793. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-3793 for your free author submission kit. Skick sneakers are taking Taking over tailgates and alumni homes across America. Skicks Canvas High Top, Low Top, Slip-On, and Kids Tennis Style Sneakers, designed in officially licensed college colors and logos, is a must-have for every college fan's wardrobe. Fun, fashionable, and comfortable. Whether you're at the big game or watching the game at home, Skicks helps fans perform better. Go to Skicks.com and use promo code FNTSY for 15% off your pair now. That's Skicks.com. Skicks Sneakers, the soul of a true fan. In this league. Your first round talents are one through four and generally three or four. The rest of the lineup, whatever, they're in the rest of the draft. That's fine after the third round, but you want your best hitters way up there. I like how the question, by the way, I said uh, this season, high how. The high ho, high ho. I didn't say how high. How high? Yeah. You're dyslexic. High ho. Apparently I was dyslexic. High how can this fantasy value go? Listen live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network and on popular podcast providers. Welcome back. You're listening to the Fancy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. I'm joined by Matt Modica for this entire show. And looking forward to digging into some pitching performances with Matt in just a moment. A uh, couple of updates. First of all, the Cardinals have, in fact, now placed Jed Jerko on the DL and uh, have also called up Harrison Bader 
So there you go, uh, Matt uh, Bader up with the, the Cardinals now. And a few lineup updates. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, after dealing with flu-like symptoms, I don't know if he was dealing with the actual flu, uh, but he is back atop the Mets lineup against the Phillies for tonight, assuming that that game does get played. And also Scott Kingery back in the Phillies lineup, batting sixth and playing third. So no Michael Franco uh, in the Phillies lineup. And I believe... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I think I'm, I'm forgetting one important thing. Josh Donaldson, I haven't seen the uh, Blue Jays lineup yet, but he's going to be in it playing third base for the first time in a while. I guess his dead arm is is alive again. Yeah, you got to hope. Uh, I would be a little more cautious with him if I'm the Blue Jays. He's their best player. So, you know, I understand you want to get Ken Reeves Morales at bats, but I'd probably DH him a little longer. Yeah, that was kind of my, my thought, too. Uh, again, easy, easier for us to say maybe then for them, but... Uh, uh, for better, for worse, uh, Josh Donaldson at the hot corner uh, tonight uh, for the Blue Jays. So let's get back to these uh, pitchers, Matt. We mm-hmm. were uh, going through some of the standout performances. There were a whole bunch from pitchers. Uh, l- uh, let me bunch them together because I also want to save some time to talk about your top 60. Uh, the Jaime Garcia went six innings, gave up a run, seven strikeouts against those uh, White Sox. Uh, Charles Morton, six scoreless innings against uh, the Orioles. Tanner Roark, seven innings, one run on four hits and a walk at six strikeouts against the Braves. So three of the more established guys uh, all having uh, you know good performances. Maybe Morton's not that much of a surprise, but I think all probably did better than their owners were probably even uh, hoping. Yeah, for me, uh, uh, Jaime Garcia, he's a, he's a stream option. That's the type of pitcher he is. I've never, you know, he's he's not that durable. I don't think he's that good. He's gonna have outings where, like last night against the White Sox team, he'll see strike out seven. Uh, the other two though, Roark, he just missed my cut. It was pretty much him or Nicholas that was gonna get that last spot. I went with Nicholas on the upside of him, but Roark, I mean, second half he pitched much better last season. He's on a very good team. And uh, who was the third guy? Slipped my mind. We were just talking. Uh, yeah, that was a thrill out. It was Morton. Uh, oh, six yeah, Charles, the, the biggest takeaway with Charlie Morton yesterday. Look, we, we saw the stuff last year. We saw the velocity increase. We saw what a weapon he was in the playoffs. But that sixth inning that he went six clean, uh, it was pretty much four innings he would sail through last year. If he got out of that fifth, you were happy. You were in line for a win and stuff. <laughs> But that third time through the order, he had a lot of problems with last year. Uh, I just don't know at age 35, 36, if he's going to get past 130 innings. Uh, I would try to preserve this guy if I'm the Astros. Uh, I love that he was hitting 98. I love a lot of things about Morton. I just don't know if he's going to be a guy that's ever going to pitch 150 in a season. All right. Well, and, and Michaelis uh, pitched last night, too. You mentioned him. Uh, went five and, a two, uh, five and two-thirds. Did give up four runs. Uh, on seven hits, but no walks, five strikeouts, gave up three home runs. Uh, he also homered himself. Yeah, that was some shot. Off of Zach, off of Zach Davies. Uh, <laughs> so if you're playing in you know the Otani format, uh, <laughs> uh, that that helps you out. But you know, to my my first reaction, I didn't see him pitch last night. But my first reaction, just lo- looking at the results, was, isn't this kind of what he did with the Rangers? <laughs> Throw a lot of strikes, but also get hit a lot. Yeah, and well, the home runs. I think two of them were solo, if I'm correct. 
Look, it's it's Miller Park and Miller, like there's the humidor. That's the Homer door. Uh, so I'm not going to kill him <laughs> on that one there yesterday. I love the fact, you know, no walks, five strikeouts. His, you know, his his velocity readings were all good and all that. So I, I was pretty pleased. He got the win. Look, you don't want to give up four runs. But no. uh, everything else aside, you know, three home runs was, was too much, like I said. Uh, two of them, I believe, solos. So you can live with the solo home run. You know, I, I think the, it's the Cardinals. The Cardinals, it's like the Cardinal way. They always find these guys. They put them in, plug and play them, and it kind of works out. Yeah, and, you know, and you mentioned Miller Park. So, you know, if you want to bring Park Factor to this, pitching, you know, his home games in St. Louis uh, you know, even if he's still a little too contact friendly, might might work out well for him. Exactly. That's that's a huge, that's a huge bonus for him. It really is at home park. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the other pitchers I wanted to get to, and, and I'm just gonna you know kind of do this lightning round style. Uh, Brian Johnson, uh, six innings, one run against the Marlins. Uh, Mike Clevenger, five and a third, uh, scoreless innings against the Angels. Jamison Tyone, a big strikeout game, nine strikeouts in just five and a third, gave up only two runs, didn't walk anybody against the Twins. And Francisco Liriano, first start as a Tiger, a pretty good one, six and two-thirds, one run, only two walks, but also only three strikeouts for uh, Liriano. Uh, anything strike you with any of those pitchers? Yeah, no, I mean, Clevenger, the fact that he only walked two is what you want to see. That's been his That's yep. been his problem. Uh, he opened his, his he faced off against Trout in the first at bat, struck him out on three fastballs. That third one, he got him swinging. He raised it up. He raised the eye level up a little. That was really impressive. Uh, Clevenger, I tweeted out earlier today since uh, I believe it was like August 12th. His ERA is, is like under two. The strikeout percentage is basically 29%. The walk percentage is still 10%, but the first pitch strike is about 68%. So that's really encouraging. This is a guy, I saw a lot of smart people kind of on late in the NFBC. I like him. Uh, he's in a division with a bunch of terrible teams, and you know he pitches for Cleveland, which is, which is always a bonus. As uh, for, and you have – I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, go ahead. And as far I was as just as... asking. Yeah, you go. You go, <laughs> you go ahead, Matt. <laughs> I was just asking if you have any concerns about him staying in the rotation uh, whenever Danny Salazar comes back. No, no, no. I, I, I think you know unless unless he just starts walking the park. I think this spot is his. Uh, Tomlin would be the guy when Salazar comes back that I think would lose it. Would lose it. Would lose the uh, spot. Clevenger's just too talented. And uh, I'm hoping Danny Salazar can come back in a couple of weeks. You know, play it cool. Let him build up the arm. Hopefully he can be as healthy as Salazar can be. Uh, yeah, and that uh, certainly hope for that. And I, I agree that that's how I would see that playing out uh, as well. So you've ranked the uh, over on CTM Baseball uh, where you have um, – uh, sort of a little database on, uh, you know, a whole bunch of pitchers, uh, you know, what their arsenal imposed of and uh, a whole bunch of statistical uh, deep dives. Uh, so I do encourage people to, to check it out um, if they haven't. But you also now you have your top 60 ranked on their top mm-hmm. 60 starting pitchers. So I just wanted to go over uh, a few selected ones, um, you know, just because either where they're ranked or just something I find interesting about them. Sure. So we'll go uh, top down, starting with Carlos Martinez, who's at number 14. Now, you know, when we do ball predictions, I, I think there's an understanding that, you know, we, we know that the probability of them being right is, is you know, pretty low. Uh, but, you know, they're 
you know, they have to have some kernel of truth in them. And I, one of my bold predictions was that Carlos Martinez was not going to finish in the top 30 among starting pitchers. I did not draft him in any leagues this year. And I just didn't like the trend last year of him allowing so much more hard contact than he had in the past and having games like he had in his opening day start or uh, yeah, opening day uh, where he just, you know, walk a whole bunch of people. And he just seems to do that once in a while. Yes. So, yeah, well, that, that the opening day start uh, was not good. We, we've seen him do that. We saw him last year. He walked like uh, nine or 10 guys at Yankee stadium, maybe even 11. Yep. I, don't know, I forget. It was some it crazy was nine, thing, yeah. but, if we look at the last three seasons of what he's pitched, he's either 11th or 12th in innings pitched, strikeouts, and that comes with a 321 ERA, a 124 whip. The whip is, you know, you got to be a little careful. But he's only 27 years old. I mean, in the three years, is he a three, uh, a 3.00 ERA guy? I'm not saying he is. I, I think his I think his floor was last season. I think he can only get better. I, I will uh, stipulate he's kind of like a Strasburg to me, and the Mets even said it. They're guys that can beat themselves up. I mean, mentally, they're maybe not the strongest guys. I don't like saying that. I don't, I don't like to really use that term. But you see how they can come unraveled. Uh, I've mm-hmm. seen it with Strasburg on the mound. You do see it with Carlos Martinez. But I still think this guy has a wealth of pitching potential in him. And what he's done the last three years cannot go underrated. I mean, his ERA is tied with Justin Verlander over the last three seasons. Well, and he also, I think you have to also just give him some priority because of the consistent innings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. you figure he's probably going to give you 200 no matter what. I mean, he's pretty much averaging over the last three years about 200 innings, 200 strikeouts. And like yep. I said, he's 11th in innings and, and 12th in strikeouts or vice versa. And, you know, there's something to be said about that over the last three years. I mean, it's somebody that takes the ball every fifth day. We were concerned about him when he was, you know, when he was making that transition, when they brought him up and they had him in the bullpen the first year or so. Could he, could he uh, with, uh, sustain it? And he's proven that he can. So that's why I have him as high as I do. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like I'm definitely in the minority in terms of not having him in the, the top 15 or, you know, some folks have him, you know, well within the top 15. Now you've got uh, Garrett Richards and Shoei Otani back-to-back, 25-26. Uh, had to be impressed, I think, with Otani's debut. And Richards, not his best game, but, you know, again, it's one start. But my concern here is that the Angels do stick uh, with the six-man rotation. Do you think that any, you know, not a knock against them, any pitcher – in a six-man rotation, is a top thirty pitcher. Uh, I don't think. They, first, I say I don't think the Angels can can stick with that six-man rotation. But real quick, on on my rankings, I thought there was a clear top twenty pitchers, and however you mm-hmm. want to put them in, you can mix match them here and there. I thought from you know ending with Quintana. Some people have Quintana even higher. But I thought like that. Paxton Keuchel, Quintana had to round that out. I thought they were, that was the clear top 20. And then after that, it's more of you're facing our guys going to stay healthy with the upside. For me with the Angels, Garrett Richards is a must for them. They're at the point where they need innings from this guy. And as long as he's healthy, and that game, he was one strike away from five shutout innings. And Chris Davis couldn't touch his off-speed pitch. I was watching it. And then he threw a fastball, 
He missed his location, and he got taken right out of the park. And the next batter up, <laughs> Matt Olson, took him deep again. It was a wicked shot by Matt Olson. Uh, but I, I really like Richards. Uh, I Look, he's only thrown about 60 innings the last two years. But if Anaheim or Los Angeles uh, – uh, Angels of Anaheim, whatever you want to call them, are going to do anything this year. Garrett Richards has to be uh, throwing the, taking the ball for them. I think he's going to get around that 150 or so innings. In that, in today's day age, you if you get that, you're fine. As far as Tani goes, I drafted him in my second draft. I got him in like the seventh round. He was going much higher than that after that, and then he fell the last week or two when we went live in the NFBC. I got him in an auction for $9. I got him in a, in a ninth round. So I hadn't even been taking Otani for most of the draft season. And he just became a bargain, in my opinion, where I thought this guy had top 30 stuff, at least, and possibly top 20. I don't really know what he's going to be. I don't think any of us do. But what you saw on Sunday, don't even look at the box score. It's look at the swing and misses that he got. The, the velocity, with the, it was really impressive. And even the home run wasn't a terrible pitch that Matt Chapman took him deep. Yeah, that's a good point. You had to kind of give Chapman the credit on, on that one. Uh, so very, very good point there. Uh, just want to try to get me one or two more of these guys sure. in because I, I want to talk a little bit about streamers. But uh, uh, Jose Barrios, you have him just a little further down, 28. And after that first start, uh I, I declared on Twitter that I wouldn't be surprised if he was top 10. I didn't rank him top 10, didn't even rank him top 20. But, you know, I just, I, I love the potential for him. I'll put it this way. If there's anybody outside my top 20 that I think could finish in the top 10, I'm not sure I could think of anybody that I would be less surprised by than I, um, Burrios. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair, Al. I think that's really fair. Uh, I thought maybe it might take one more year. Last year, he had those home road splits that were really stark. And he went to Coors East. He went to Camden Yards. And, I mean, he dominated, except for that stupid controversy in the ninth inning that should have never been. Uh, I mean, right. he really <laughs> he really dominated. And I love the fact that he went out there in the ninth inning and got the complete game. I know some people said, oh, somebody else could throw those pitches in the ninth inning. It is a major confidence builder. To start the season on the road where he had trouble last year, go into a hostile environment, get a complete game, I think that's a fantastic job. And, look, he can be – you could have him 22nd. You could put him in the top 20 if you were really that strong. I don't think he's a top 20 pitcher entering the season, but I agree with you. If he finished you know, ninth overall, I'm not going to be shocked. If he finished 14th overall, he has that kind of stuff. I think maybe it's after this year, but you know, anywhere in the 20s I think is where he deserves. All right, well uh... – We've only got a couple minutes left here, Matt. So uh, I'm just going to uh, touch on this issue of streaming a little bit. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about you know sure. stud pitchers, you know SPs, uh, you know basically twos and threes. Uh, last couple of years, I've really only had maybe you know in some leagues as few as two pitchers that I really started every week and have been relying a lot on streamers. I wrote a piece on fan tracks. I don't really have the time to break it down on today's show. So I would just urge you maybe go check it out for yourself. Maybe I can talk about it tomorrow, but how, how deep do you go uh, with your existing rotation where you say, you know, this guy's unbenchable. Is it top 20, top 30, top 40? Uh, how, where does that go for you? It, it depends. If my five, if I'm confident in the five or six starters that I drafted, 
I usually will run them out most of the time, unless it's like a Coors outing or something where, like, a guy like Lance Lynn against the Pirates of PNC had, like, a career 9 ERA or something like that uh, heading into yesterday. Unless it's something that, for the most part, because I play a lot of 15-teamers, and there's not much on the wire. And sometimes early in the season, I'll try and use those multiple, uh, multiple reliever guys in those innings and build up my ratios and then do a lot more streaming. In a 12-teamer, yeah, I'm going to look at the guys – and you're going to see, like, you know, uh, say like a Tanner Rook. Atlanta in the Mets, I'm going to probably roll him out there. I like that one. Uh, there's other guys. Jordan Montgomery, if you're in a 12-team, I'd say he didn't get drafted. He's facing Tampa Bay tonight. You have to attack that lineup and stuff like that. So it's all dependent upon league size. Well, for having about a minute, minute and a half to answer, that's Pretty darn good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Wish we had more time, though. Anyways, Matt Modica, thank you so much for making this a wonderful Modica Tuesday and looking forward to next week. Thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to it as well. All right, folks. Well, uh, stay tuned. And uh, meanwhile, be back here, same time, same station, tomorrow. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7 fantasy sports radio network.